0: Welcome to learnings from the middle a podcast where a product owner and a software engineer longtime friends occasional coworkers, and occasional halo opponents delve into their experiences and careers in the tech industry all opinions are our own and not our employers or anyone else's and I am one half of your podcast my name is Brian I'm the software engineering half been an engineer for uh, over a decade now which is a strange thing to say I'm getting old john do you want to introduce yourself yeah
1: i'm john I'm the other half i'm more on the product side of the fence where i'm making my home and my career today uh been in and around software development life cycle for software development delivery for about yeah, 12 is it 13 years now it's been a while so
0: we're both getting old that's scary it really is funny yeah. story
1: on that we got, we got to make room for the for the rabbit trails funny story on that like i was on a trip with uh hanging out with my dad recently it wasn't a trip we were just hanging out and he's like we were just talking about houses and finances and owning houses and whatnot. He mentioned like, yeah, the longest I was ever in a house was that one that, you know, we grew up on, on such and such a street or, or you know, that, that I grew up at. And it was the house that I grew up at. And we had only been there for 10 years. I have now been in my house that I live at as an adult longer than the house that I grew oh, up no. in. That's, you won't talk about getting old. <laughs> that's scary.
0: So that's our that's fun a tidbit weird. of the day. That's but, a yeah, weird, horrifying old. milestone to pass.
1: It is. It is. I don't know if so. I
0: should say congratulations or my condolences. It's one or the other. <laughs> Anyways, what's Maybe our both. topic for today, man? <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about what do you like about big companies and what do you like about small companies? And it, I think it's become a caveat or a standard that we add caveats ahead of time. Uh, different people are going to like different size of companies. There are pros and cons to every work scenario. So we're not trying to say one is good and one is bad. We're just talking about what we've experienced and the things that we liked about both. So to kick it off, what's the biggest company you've ever worked at in terms of employees?
1: Oh, shoot. I should know that offhand. Um, Let me do a quick Google because Google will bail me out here. Um, But the company I was at working at while I'm Googling, um, global, global company, thousands, tens of thousands of employees. Uh, We're talking large scale corporate organization.
0: Yeah. Okay. So tens of thousands. If you get a specific number, that would crack me up. I think I win, or at least I suspect I win on the largest company. The biggest one I ever worked for was a an online retailer with a pretty significant warehouse and delivery presence. If you're really curious about which one, you can try and look up my LinkedIn and figure that out. Uh, but that one had, I think at the most, 1.5 million employees, including warehouse staff, corporate staff, wow. and all over. Yeah, it was staggering. I thought my
1: number was going to blow it away. I, I, I thought mine was big. 200,000, 210,000. <laughs> Peanuts.
0: <laughs> yeah and no what's... kidding i'm
1: that's just mind-boggling like that's bigger than the city that we live in right now both yeah. of those oh are, yeah yep uh-huh. you know <laughs> that's nuts. and what's
0: the smallest company you've ever worked at
1: when i joined the kind of startup into growth phase tech company that uh, we both worked at it was around i think 230 240
0: okay uh,
1: when i first joined if you included like all departments and again it's not just the tech side that we're familiar with on the product side but the entire company and the different facets of the business i think it was i think it was right around 230 when i joined
0: yep okay so i and i i think the same one was my smallest and i joined a little bit before you so it was maybe 200 220 somewhere in that range but a couple hundred yep. people and it was startup to growth phase um so then my next question because big companies like that can have different size departments what's the the biggest and smallest department that you've ever worked in, just in terms of headcount going like maybe two or three levels above you in the reporting Man. chain.
1: And even 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 there there's lines because like what's your IT department and your IT department is broke up into like 20 different teams. But if I just zoomed out to like my regional IT, North America IT department for this company I worked at, um, we're we're still talking probably probably tens of thousands, um, you know, in that, in that thousands range, I wouldn't say high tens of thousands, but I would say in that probably eight to 20,000 range, I know that's a big one, but I'm just trying to think of all the teams in different places that it touches and different tech. Like Mm -hmm. it was, it was significant. So. Okay. And again, my team, I mean, depending on the project, depending on what you worked on, like you're not working with 2000 people at one time, but you might be working with a project team of, um, 60, 80, 90 people. If you start zooming it out to scrum teams and engineers now direct communication and on the day-to-day calls, smaller, uh, you know, the okay. leadership team, but like people yep. that were involved in a project. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely gets big fast.
0: What's, what's the biggest number for a project team?
1: I've had, I have definitely had hundreds. Um, like I said, if Snap. you start zooming out, like, so I would not in, uh, interface with the hundreds. My job from a business analyst perspective at that company, um, I would get the tech leads and the, and the scrum leads and things like that. But you got to think if I'm working with um, 15 different scrum teams and some of those scrum teams or 15 different departments or teams, you know, or pieces of the organization, and some of those may have two or three teams from their organization assigned to get deliver the project you know, five to 10 per, per team. Like, you know, you start growing that number fast, then you add in support staff, then you add in, you know, all the yep. other thing, like it, it definitely grows into the hundreds hundreds pretty quick. So I know I had 15 teams. I know I had 15 okay. teams at one point on my biggest, one of my biggest projects. I know I had 15 or 16 teams. If you just assume conservatively that they're all contributing mm, six people, you know, okay. per team, if you look include engineers and their QA assignment and their scrum lead and their, you know, whatever else, like, yeah, you're, you're definitely in the, in the 100 to 200 range.
0: Man. So, so the, the delineation of team here might be interesting, too. It I don't is. know if it's I'm sidetracking. Because I, I would say the biggest project team that I've ever been on was 15 to 20. And I'm yep. trying to think if they're, you know, depending on how far you zoom that scope out, you might find a much larger group contributing to a, a very strategic long term goal, but I don't think I've ever interacted or like had influence over quite that size. I could probably get to forty or fifty if I really stretched it, but hundreds is or even a hundred i think is is large from my perspective
1: yeah. I think hundred or two hundred I don't want to say it was normal, but I would say that that consisted of a big project, but if you want to narrow it down again, if we're defining terms like If we were having a project call and who was going to attend the project call, the biggest I've been in for regular tenders probably gets to that 20 to 25 range of like who would regularly Mm -hmm. attend a call. Um, But again, big organization, big projects, old school waterfall before the agile transition, like those few people that are the leads working towards the solution, working towards the the plan are cascading that to at least four or five if not more mm-hmm. like six or seven people behind them to the size of some of those scrum teams so again it just depends what you're talking about like engaged project team 25 who that roll out to that's actually hands-on working on the project and touching the project gets to hundreds
0: okay it's interesting so it's crazy. i wonder we may not want to go too far down this track but the question i have is were, were those projects slime mold or military and by that, I mean, were they lots of tiny independent groups working on something they chose, or is it usually top-down, somebody sets top a direction, down. and then 100 people engage in yeah, it? That's
1: exactly what it is. And that's what I'm saying. So if depending on our audience, and if we're going to touch on corporate, which not all corporations work that way. I'd actually say most don't nowadays, but if we're talking about people that are used to that corporate and don't realize there's the world of startup and girl stage or even a corporate that's running true agile, that's... Uh, or vice versa, like if those two worlds haven't met before, it's it's very different working in those two different kinds of organizations. Yep. So um, the one that I'm describing right now is very militaristic. And that's maybe I mean, that's not the word I would use, but I understand why you use it. But yep. very much here is the corporate direction of the platform that we are going, or the thing that we're going to deliver. And we are so siloed and we are so, we aren't full stack engineers. We're not, you know, a tech that can touch, uh, an engineer that can touch 15 different systems or even five different systems. It is your team does this and that's all you do and you do it really well. And your team does this and that's all you do and you do it really well. And so, you know, a single API uh, delivery of an API might be the requesting team uh, and the provider. And in between, you'll have the middleware team and the security team. And the like, you know, it's not even just two teams. It's like four teams to deliver a single API. So It's definitely more of that scale of here's the thing we're gonna go build how do we prioritize it on the 10 teams or the 15 teams that we need and it's so siloed that that spins out pretty quick
0: so i'm going back to the company that i worked at first out of college and this i would i would rate in the medium size i don't remember the exact number of people the it group was four or five hundred the total company i think was five to ten thousand depending on whether or not you included road warriors and Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, contract sales in those groups, but that was much more top down and the project teams there did get quite a bit larger. So I I can't remember a group that was that large, but in the companies that I've been at for the last several years, much smaller project teams are common where at that group, much larger project teams of 30, 40, 50 were pretty common. And it was kind of the same thing where you're talking about where you needed the web server deployment group and then you needed the API group, and then you need the data management group, and then you need the data governance group. And so it just kind of expanded that way from the number of people you needed.
1: And then break it out by functionality then too. If each of those functionalities has, or those like pieces of function that you touch has their own version of that, it's not just one API team. It's the uh, AR has their API team, and the rewards has their API team, and the um and the statements has their api team like you know so all of a sudden not only is it you need the specialized team you need the specialized team from the specialized platform um on those larger scale projects and again it's not the the only thing that company could do is large scale projects it's just um they would have their own initiatives too within those smaller pockets but as our world gets more and more connected, as companies and corporations start drawing dots between, oh, how you spend your money is related to where you go, and is related to what car you drive, and is related to what you buy on x on x website, and dot, to dot, dot. Like as as companies connect those dots both internally and externally more, your cross-functional projects just grow out of hand. And I think that's what's kind of forced a lot of companies away from that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of organize, uh, way of organizing. Um, which is kind of a fun though it leads into this whole conversation of like big or small like again if you haven't done it and you haven't been in a big company and been in a small company like some of this just sounds like greek like i know i relate um i talked to some people at the growth phase company i'm at um about how things were done at this larger company and it's just like that's how you spent your time Mm -hmm. or that's the way you did it or you did it. You had to go through this approval. Or you had to do this thing. And like it's not just the government oversight, but it's just it's so big that the level of management and organization you have to have in order to keep the risk low is astronomical. And it's just it's a yeah. very interesting way of working.
0: So I'll say and uh, I'm going to make I'm going to hit my habit again. And I'm going to say two things. <laughs> so in our in our taxonomy of company sizes, I think we need a third category for small uh big top down and then big bottoms up definitely because most of the bigger companies i've been at are bottoms up
1: yep and you said too i'll let you get your second one in
0: risk so you you hit the thing that i think a lot of people underestimate and undervalue from working at top down companies like that because i've known people who get very frustrated in those environments and are mad that they have to fill out forms and go through red tape and get approvals and do paperwork And I think what they don't value as much there, maybe it's a different value system, but the company is valuing risk mitigation over everything else. So Mm -hmm. it's easy to get mad about the waste or the inefficiency or the slow pace, but the company I worked at was insurance and insurance companies are all, what they sell is trust. That you're going to, I'm going to take your money now, and in 70 years when you pass away, I'm going to give a bunch of money to your family, and you give me money based on believing that I'm going to be here. So risk mitigation wins over everything at an insurance company, and I think a lot of top-down companies are that way, where they're trying to mitigate risk.
1: And again, it's so easy to hear top down and automatically think bad, not good, especially if you're in one of those places that you just know that's not the environment you want to work in. But when you start looking at financial institutions, banking, insurance, you start looking at medical um, and things that are just can't have the same level of risk. You get it wrong and uh, the, the repercussions are horrible, a top down way of doing it. On the surface, at least, uh, again, there's debates to be had here, but on the surface, it gives you more control. Mm-hmm. Now, can you do it the other way? And would I advocate if we were going to get into that debate or that conversation, advocate for not doing it that way? hundred percent. I think there's way to mitigate risks without having to have that top down kind of uh, drive to where you could self-manage your own teams and set up really good culture and really good um, guidelines without them being rigid rules that every team has to follow and kind of have those teams self uh, self-manage and, and kind of self-develop and self-set the roadmaps and can join with other teams. Like that whole concept, I think exists and is real, but you start to understand why top-down direction and um, this is the way that we are going to do it as an organization across the board um, carries a lot more emphasis w- when you're worried about risk to the level that some of these bigger institutions are.
0: And I'm with you. I spent enough time in that type of environment to know that it's not for me. It's not a good fit for the way I want to be an engineer, but I acknowledge the strengths that it provides where it puts a little bit less emphasis on finding super capable, high-performing engineers. It gives you a more, which opens a much broader hiring pool where you've just got a, a wider class of people and it gives you a lot more control over the risk that your company is going to take on it gives the engineers that you do hire a lot more predictable work-life balance because you're not trying to cram every moment of writing code out of them that you can so it's not for me i don't love it but i do see some of the advantages of going with a culture and a structure that way
1: i was going to hit on an example like i can give you one just from today of somebody that's working at the start uh the the growth stage company that i'm at right now um, They would never dream of wanting to work in the big corporation that I was at before. But what I had to be able to do and step in for this engineer today is not something I would have ever had to do at a corporate level because it was the engineer stressing about making a judgment call. It was, you know, we're under the gun. This should be okay. Is this a risk? Is this not? Can I make this decision? What could we do? Can, like, Can we like, and it was just in, you know, we're in a company where we can make those gut calls. And for him, I want him to know that as you know, from the product perspective and from a team leadership perspective, like, I don't want him feeling he has to make those things in a vacuum. But and so it's talking about how do we do that at our smaller company. But if he was at a bigger company, that would never even be something he has to concern his day with because he has a set of procedures that it doesn't matter what this is, it's going to go through step A, B, C, D, E, I don't care if someone yells and wants it out today our process says we're going to go through A, B, C, D, E, and I can't get it out any faster than if we go through A, B, C, D, E. Um, mm-hmm. And so again, it's that person would probably never want to work at that larger company, but a pro is he would never have to have that tension of I have to make a, a judgment call on this because the desire or the point of a lot of those bigger systems, top-down systems is to take away uh, the needing to make a judgment call. You have, a, you have a instructions or a parameter or a guide for every one of those
0: situations. Yeah, I'll I'll echo with a similar That's example. The
1: hope it doesn't exist,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know. Ideally, um, at the insurance company that I worked at, there was a concept called the standard steering committee, and it was a group that met to discuss coding standards and the way that we were going to use features in Java, was the language we were in, and they met every three weeks. So if you wanted to do something new, you had to get on the agenda and talk to the standard steering committee and then they had to debate it once twice three times and then write up a standard that would let you use a new format or streams or a new java feature or what have you and so it could easily be a two or three month turnaround between thinking a new language feature would be helpful and then deciding or being able and allowed to use it and get prs through and and approved and all that and it's, in some ways I mean, that seems lethargic, but on the upside, you don't use something that winds up going away because they're very thorough and they look at the support and whether or not it's going to be around and if the yep. community is taking it on and all that. So there's there's pros and cons to it.
1: Yep. I mean, let me ask you this. Even at your current company, which will remain unnamed for now, um, how often do you download something to to help with your coding or your engineering? Like a plugin, a widget, a tool, a... a External third party service that might help you do something of what you're working on.
0: So my the companies I've been at recently are bad examples because they're big enough and tech oriented enough that all of those third party utilities house, are yeah. yeah. But the startup growth pays group we worked at, um, it was probably multiple times a week where I would find a library yep. or utility or a new Docker image that I wanted to use and I would just throw it onto my laptop and start using it. Yep.
1: And the company, the the um, corporate level company that I was at, that's a minimum six, more like nine month approval process to download any additional third party software onto your computer. Now that's not sustainable. Again, the world's changing. You just like there's things that these big corporates, corporations are having to learn, especially the top down corporations, just they can't keep up anymore. So there will be changes. But at least when I was there, and some of the pain points that we were going through that we said we have to fix were some of those controls type things. Um, just cause of the risk. Mm-hmm. So, but it does provide stability. So obviously you and I both lean away. We both found ourselves back. Or I shouldn't say that you're still, we found ourselves away from top down, I guess. That's not the environment that we want to work in anymore. I think that's a good point to make that not all large corporations are like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but we made ourselves, we've taken ourselves out of top down and I'm back in startup. You're in larger corporate. I'm probably stealing your thunder a little bit. Um, but not top down management. Um, there's stability that comes from that corporate, though. There, there really is. So maybe you, maybe you talk about that a little bit, Brian. Talk about how not top down, uh so self managed Scrum teams in a big corporation's compares to small tech startup slash growth phase.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of there's a lot of overlap, at least in the large, very tech oriented bottoms up companies I'm at, where. You have a similar level of autonomy where you get to own your product. Um, Full stack engineer is a bit of an overloaded term, but everyone that I work with is expected to be a full stack engineer and do UI to data management and down if you need to. So if there's a problem in what you're doing and it goes outside of what your team charter says you're supposed to do, if it affects your customer, then you are expected to deep dive it and solve it. So there's a lot of autonomy and a lot of connection to what you build, how what you build is used, and the effect that it has on users, which I think is similar to a startup. on on the other on the flip side for positive being at large corporate that's bottoms up, you get a lot of resources and a lot of backing. I mentioned having entire teams that are focused on developer productivity. So by the time I think of something that I want to use that would make me more efficient, there's already a team of people paid to evaluate it, get it set up, give me a doc that I could just use it. And so it's a couple of clicks and then I've got the IntelliJ plugin or whatever it is that I'm looking Mm. for. So that's really, that's super handy and I really like that. And then on the downside of being at a large group is that you do get some of the corporate feel and paperwork creeping in where uh, at a super small company, you're a little bit more aware and involved in the revenue, was my experience at least, where you're very aware of the changes you make and how it affects and, and what percent of the total company revenue it can affect. Where at a larger company, or at least the companies I've been at, No matter how effective you are, if it's a big enough group, you're not going to be a a double digit percentage of the revenue or be able to have that much impact on the direction of the company, maybe your team or your organization, but it's not going to be quite as extensive as it is at a smaller group.
1: Yeah, but if you're still somewhat bottom up and and self-directed scrum teams... You still know what metrics you're moving, and I think there's still a, a joy and a blessing that comes from that of it's not, "Hey, go build this thing and deliver it. You're still knowing where you're moving the needle and how you're moving the needle. It may not be in something that's going to change the overall company's revenue by one percent, but it might change your groups, your domains revenue by ten percent or by five percent or by one percent. like I think that almost becomes more of finding the metrics that your team is is measuring by
0: but, yeah, and you you can definitely find that fulfillment and satisfaction. If you pay attention to the right numbers, and it's not whether or not the company is IPO'd or necessarily what the stock price is doing because of your impact, but if you pay Mm -hmm. attention to the KPIs from your group, you can still get that sense of, I had a positive impact on myself and my own space. Uh, It's just, you have to look at different things than dollars.
1: Yep. Yep. Makes sense. I find myself so, in even a little bit of a hybrid situation um, now that I, I really think about it and getting to know this company more. So I classify myself as working at a growth phase company. So I don't put us in startup anymore. We're, we're kind of past the startup. We're generating revenue. We're stable. We're you know we have um, we're in a good spot. But now it's all about okay we got here. We want to double, but we don't want to double everything, our infrastructure, our workforce, our policies, our processes. Like how do we grow and how do we grow well? That's what I kind of put that growth phase in. Uh, there's different definitions out there or more technical definitions, but that's that's kind of where I put it. I'm loving it. But the hybrid situation I'm talking about is we actually still do have a parent company that lets us operate very autonomously. Um, but to your point, we still have some of those resources that we can tap into that it's not just – how is your line doing on the budget sheet? But um, how is the overall uh, group doing um, the group of companies and the parent companies doing? And, and so there is that dynamic to it, to where we get some of the um, fancier trainings because some other company that's way bigger than us put the money into like the nice trainings and things like that. And um, you get maybe some of the benefits and things, not, not as much benefits are still pretty, pretty autonomous, but some of the benefits come down and trail down from the, um, parent company. So there, there's there's pieces of that that I'm still weeding out of how, how we operate and how we're influenced um, by the parent company. So it's still a level of stability that not all growth phase companies have that's nice. Um, and I'm sure there's pressure. Again, we're in the middle, learnings from the middle. Uh, I'm sure there's pressures getting applied to those above my pay grade uh, that have the parent company poking their nose in and, and making sure we're aligned to parent company goals. Um, but overall, they let us be pretty autonomous. So I've, I've, I think I found a decent niche to where I'm not worried if my growth phase company all of a sudden has two bad quarters that we're gonna go under, that we're gonna have layoffs, because I know the value that we provide to the overall holdings um, and group that is still valued um, beyond can we survive on our own? That make sense? Yeah. So it's kind of a best of both worlds a little bit, if that's what you're looking for. Like, I want startup growth phase, but hey, it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of cash behind you, keeping you afloat if you need it. You know, that's, that's, that's a decent place to be sometimes.
0: This might need to be an off the podcast question, but can you share anything about the financing and the way that the buddy works between your growth phase and the bigger group? Or do you not want to go there, and that's where
1: I want to be careful. Um, Never Because mind. I'm still learning some of that. No, 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 it's a great question, and I think that's why it's fun talking about like, how are these different companies? What is really a really startup? What's what's uh, what's VC funding? What's uh, when does it get to growth phase? Like, when are we corporate? And what is corporate? Like, wait a minute, you have a parent company, doesn't mean you're like, man, this is it gets more intricate than what you give it credit for. So, even talking through this, um, like. One, there's things that I'm still trying to understand from how my company is managed and how the books look and and how we have our own um our own PL and things of that nature, but yet it still contributes to the whole um and where does the say in some of those direction things coming from. But overall, I will say we feel fairly um autonomous in what we're doing, where we're working and mm-hmm. what uh what customers we're going after and, and what we're building. So
0: yeah So we've talked a lot about positives from big companies. If there's nothing you don't like, then that's fine. But what are some of the cons of working at a large corporate group? Ooh,
1: I can do that. But I want to come back to one other thing from a positive uh, before sure. we're done. But um, negatives is just that. It's, it's the risk aversion. If you are anybody that likes, I don't want to say wants to take a risk because that makes it sound like cowboy coding. I'm not talking about cowboy coding. Nobody wants to be labeled a cowboy coder. Um, some people do. But most, most people hate that. They feel like they got labeled with that. So I'm not saying cowboy coding. But there's still a level of oversight and dictation that comes from the big, big 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 corporation, especially top down, that is just it's stifling. It can be really stifling. So again, I know I want this tool that's gonna help me do my job better. It's safe, it's secured, it's used by five other companies that are just as big and not bigger than us. It's signed off on it. I can't use it for nine months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like like that's just annoying. Um and, and not being able to impact t- culture change, um, team change is really also hard. I, I always think you have the ability to try to impact those around you and affect those around you, um, but just by default, the people that are looking to work at a big corporation are usually looking for something different than what you're looking for out of a small corp, uh, small company or smaller company, and those things just normally, not always, but th- there is some opposition to the kind of person those two companies attract. And you try to take one and put them in one person and put them in the other situation, and there's gonna be tension. You just have different mindset, you have different personalities, you have different ways of going about things. Um big corporations kind of along the same lines, it's it's also hard to just go get stuff done. Like like if you have a go get stuff done mentality of not whose job is it, not whose sign off we need to do, but like, hey, let's go make this. Let's go make this positive thing happen, or let's go do this and fix this issue. It's it's drastically slowed down, um, and there's need for good people in that in those organizations that can have the patience to drive through those things and understand why the processes are in place and have processes do it and still push for those positive changes. Um, but unfortunately, it tends to cater towards people that like the status quo. Mm-hmm. you're there for stability you're there to sign in at 8 and go home at 5 and again nothing wrong with that i'm all for work life balance but you're 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 there to do the job and go home more often at a big company um and a small company i, I don't know there's always just more of a friendly atmosphere uh we did the whole f- um what we titled that episode we were talking about kind of like relationships at work and are they friendships or are they coworkers or things like that it's just mm-hmm. it's not mean that everybody's like buddy, buddy, that you have to be friends with everybody, or you share your deepest, darkest secrets with everybody. But just at a small company, by default, you're more intimate with those people. And intimate as in, uh, you, you're rubbing shoulders with them. Like you, you, you don't. You're you're all trying to pull, uh, pull the bus up the hill. You're all driving in the same direction. You feel more connected to what's being done, so you're all more invested in what's being done. Um, and they're just at build a team atmosphere that's just a lot harder to find at a big corporation. It can be found. It's just a lot harder.
0: Yeah, so I'll say my con, and then I'll ask what your last positive on big was. And I I think I have a very different perspective on the negative. And maybe it's because I just accept a lot of the things that you said about culture change and the type of people that you're more likely to work with at a big group or a big organization instead of a small one. So the main downside to me is that you can never wrap your head around the end-to-end system. So when you're at, mm-hmm. and you can't always do it at a growth size or small startup place either. They can have plenty of complex code bases, but usually you can understand the entirety of the architecture and grasp it, put it on a whiteboard, whatever you need to do. Uh, and at a, at the companies I've been at the last several years, and even at the insurance company pretty quick out of college, there is just no way to understand all of the moving parts. And even if you're full stack where you are expected to understand The web deployment and the UI all the way down to the database, you're going to have dependencies and other systems that you either feed into or retrieve from, and you will not be able to understand how they work, what they do, how they produce what you need. There's just too much to really wrap your head around. And I'm starting to get more comfortable with that, but it can be really unsettling at first when you've got an outage. And you trace it, you trace it, you trace it. And then you find out that it's in something you don't understand at all and you've never even heard of. And then you have to turn it over to their on-call to figure out. So that's my downside. What's your last positive on big corporate?
1: I guess maybe not even so much positive as it kind of feeds into this conversation. It's just, it's just, which do you prefer? Um, And I kind of touched on it, but it's the idea of at a big corporation, the take work home with you was a lot easier not to do. Uh, mm-hmm. So let me put that in the positive. When working at a bigger corporations, there seem to be more protections from um, burnout, more protections from working more than that 50 hours a week, 45, 50 hours a week that uh, a lot of us end up working um, and consider normal. <laughs> um, you know, there, there, there's more go in, do your job and go home at the end of the day and more protection from when it is needed for you to work additional time. So that always comes Overtime always comes. Um, there's seasons and phases of it, no matter where you're at, but there's a lot more attention to how much, why, what do we need to do to prevent it? How do we keep our employees, um, at a small company, um, I, I think it goes back to the investment is I think since you, to almost the point you made, you are closer to the objectives. You are closer to the goals. You are closer to what is the bottom line being impacted by this. And so you're all pulling for the same thing. Um, and you're usually not always, but you're usually more invested. The team members are usually more invested. Um, and so you give, you, you care, <laughs> you care a whole heck of a lot more. Um, at least I, I did with me having more troubles, uh, with, um, work life balance and keeping work from home and keeping home from work. Um, I have a hard time unplugging. sometimes. It was way easier for the stress of work to bleed over to home when working at a smaller company, just cause you are, I at least was felt way more emotionally invested and personally invested, not just responsible, as in this is my job to do, but emotionally and relationally invested in the company. Um, when you disagree with someone, you're not just disagreeing with that engineer that's on that other team that you work with once every six years. You're disagreeing with the person that you're going to go see the next day and work with on the next project, and the next project, and the next project. Like Those relationships matter more um, than uh, than what it feels like at a big corporation where you are just talking to a voice on their side from it from a christian perspective christian perspective like you still want to show respect in every situation you don't want to blow people off just because you're only going to talk to them every six years like, like like we personally still want to have a level of uh human respect even at a big corporation but i would say it feels a lot more natural at a small corporation small company
0: yeah so let's let's do any of the cons of small and then we can end on a really positive note with all the things we loved about small uh yeah so i i think you i think you may have covered most of mine and it's the most of my cons for small and i think it's the investment or the potential for overinvestment in some ways where because the ceo isn't somebody you've never met or you just see on a billboard it's someone where you walk past his office and you know him and you know the cfo and you chat with them and you know everybody in your reporting chain it's not an impersonal stock market price it's the livelihood of the people you work with. And you are just very connected to what I am doing today is going to matter for whether or not this person has a paycheck in in six months. And it's just very, it it has a very sobering impact on your mentality. And at the smaller company that I was at, I had a, a big hand in operations. And so every time there was an outage, I was very aware that I was costing the company reputation and I was costing the company potentially customers, and losing customers might mean people around me would lose their jobs. So it's it's a very real. It, it hits you in a different way when you have that kind of direct observation and awareness of revenue and how it impacts the livelihood of the people around you.
1: Yep. And I don't think until recently I was as involved in kind of the revenue and the metric side as much as I wish I would have been in my earlier career. But it still was very much the. This is somebody I care about that I work with regularly that is going through an issue that unless I can be there, help there, support there, put the extra effort there, they're going to continue to struggle with it. So, um, yeah, it's just something about saying it out loud makes it feel wrong. I don't think it is, but it's just there is a level of investment that it just feels like comes more naturally at a small, at a small company, at a startup, or at a growth phase, or smaller, smaller knit teams even. Um so I bet you have some of that probably even at your larger corporation but bottom or bottom up kind of management like if you have more determination of or what's going on in your domain you probably have still a level of that kind of investment um that maybe I was missing or had a harder time um striving for at a at a top down managed company
0: there is definitely a feeling and the the other aspect of the bottom up that I've been in Is that most of them have the two pizza team concept which is where you the idea is you should be able to feed your team with two pizzas it's a very rough way to guide it but it's a i think a very useful guideline and it helps to create the sense of a small team on a critical mission feel where it's not like you've got a team of 40 people and if something drops there's another 25 to pick up the problem there's a team of 10 to 15 and if something drops then your team of 10 to 15 people have to work together to figure it out so you can get more of that sense of small group on a very critical mission. And it's a little bit less, or at least in my experience, it's been a little bit less personal than at the smaller company where the smaller company, and I, I agree with you, I don't think it's necessarily wrong or bad, but it can start to feel more like family than work. And then it's uh, just a, a deeper tie that you have to either maintain and invest in or sever. So it's, just, it's like family where you can't pull back 90% and still have it work well, you either need to be very invested or you need to be gone. And those those are the two extremes when you've got that that sense, in my opinion.
1: To move out of the relational, the other thing that I do struggle with um, at a smaller company is I am a rules guy. Like I'm a perfectionist. I like rules. I like process. I like things working the way they're supposed to work. And I do think there is plenty of gray between over process and over red tape and, and, um, overly risk averse. And yep. We're just going to do it this way because we need to, and we're going out the door and I have no parameters for this. I have no execution, but this needs to get fixed. And we're going like, like there's somewhere in between there. There's plenty of room in between there. Um, and there's a lot of room to play. There's a lot of room to try to implement new policies that you think will help or implement new processes that you think will help but you're still small enough to have the freedom to where if it didn't work or if it ended up being more of a roadblock than you wanted to be, you can pull it back. Um, And that's why I'm really enjoying growth phase because growth phase is usually big enough to start to understand that you need a level of scalability. That's the buzzword. You know, you need to be able to scale. And in order to scale, you need to be able to, uh, you need to be able to, categorize you need to be able to go through a process and know who needs to work on something you need ownership and it can't just be the first guy to raise his hand who can work on everything because he's a full stack engineer and has been there since day one well no like i know you can but you saying that another team is more apt to handle that is not you taking on a not my job mentality which is the last thing you want to take out of a startup company that's trying to get into fourth phase you don't want that not my job mentality but you have to start learning what's the most effective way for you and your team to help and fit into the overall process like those are fun places to be but it's also the most most frustrating thing about being in a startup like i love it and it's what makes the job fun for me in the product space because i can have a lot of influence over that I, um as as a product owner and a product manager um but it's also the most infuriating thing when i have to try to help others break old habits in a way that doesn't break culture or mentality because that gung-ho get stuff done help everywhere be helpful jump in you don't want to lose that but it's it, there's still a change that needs to happen that's very hard to go through and it's why i mean it's just there's no way around it it's it's unfortunately why you see a lot of turnover when a company's going through that phase it's just people know what they like they like that startup mentality and it's just like i'm not ready to go through the change to have some more of this process in place but I love trying to find the right amount of process to where people can stay with the company or can continue to invest or grow or come in and not be lost in what they're coming into because there's just enough to help keep everything together and keep it running. That's a long tirade, but it's just it kind of ends up being a pro and a con of what I found I like to be. Um, but the the chaos sometimes can get a little bit much in a small company.
0: You touched on scaling a little bit and you're right, it is a, a major buzzword, but I think what you it sounded like what you're getting at a lot there is that you're scaling different kinds of things in a group like that where you're trying to scale culture and you're trying to scale throughput of teams and you're trying to scale process and it's it's a really hard category of scaling problems to try and fix. Yep, it is. It is.
1: Yeah, I could have lots of examples there. I mean, again, just being back in that world and I mean I've only been back in it for four months, but it's You see where definition is helpful. Like, I mean, even just, I hate racy charts. I I don't think they're effective um, and they lead to not my job mentality. Um, But we had to have a conversation today of if this kind of things happen, do we own it or not? And if we don't own it, who does it logically belong to? Not because we're trying to take work or ditch work, but one, if we should own it, we need to switch our mentality and we can't be frustrated every time it comes up and we just need to be accepting like, yeah, we own this. We need to just have a different mindset change to this issue. Or two, is there really a more effective team that it's going to waste less time, be less impact, be less issues if it just went to that team first? Like that's, those are the kind of conversations that you you try to start having. And, and it goes to culture. It goes to domains. It goes to roles and responsibilities and mean so many different things that, you just need that level of uh, growth and scalability to be able to continue to to survive as a company and to grow as a company.
0: I, and I, I go back and forth on racy charts. Sometimes I think they're super effective. Sometimes I think they really struggle. And it, it's my different. observation is it's the people who look yeah. at it. And either you say, yep, it makes sense for me to own that even though I don't want to. Or you say, no, it does not make sense. And it's bad for me to own that because X, Y, Z. Yep. But
1: it drives the conversation. The conversation yep. is what you're trying to get to. And not just the conversation, but the action that comes from the conversation. But what you don't want it to lead to, and even in your case where you're like, you know, you have your two pizza team. Like, What your two pizza team can't do is tell another two pizza team to go pound dirt because it's not my problem. Well, no, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you still raise your hand. You still help. You still get on the call and say, well, maybe this is our problem or maybe we can help or maybe there is some overlap here. Um, But where it gets into trouble is is when it gets to be uh, um, you lose that. How can I help mentality? How do we get stuff done mentality? Because it doesn't fit in my uh, my racing chart. Yep. Which and that again, pros and cons.
0: Yeah. And I I think that is an advantage. It's a it's a double edged sword, but at times it is much easier to have that conversation at a bottoms up large corporate company and with the two pizza team concept, because ownership tends to be the service as a whole or the feature or the aspect mm-hmm. of the product as a whole. So you're not saying, I want to own the top 78% of this. And then I don't want to own the bottom 22% <laughs> just saying, Hey, this is mine. And when this www.companyname.com thing doesn't work, you come call me or you don't. (laughs) And it's it's a little bit more of a discreet conversation to have where you can move units around rather than trying to do slices of a product or a feature.
1: And that level of organization is the kind of organization that helps. But when it gets to, okay, to talk to me, you need to fill out a ticket and then I put you on my backlog and then we'll talk about this in four weeks. So I have two full sprints already groomed out and now we can't even have a half hour conversation because it's not on my sprint plan. Like...
0: That's mm-hmm. what you're trying
1: to avoid. And, and there's so many different variations. I'm, I'm giving one ex- extreme example, but how do we have the organization in a small company that helps to build productivity, not that becomes roadblocks
0: to getting anything done? And I, so, it's, that's always a tough one. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep this comment short. But the thing that I found that helps with that at the large but bottoms up companies Is having my name be pretty easy to find and again it's it's a it's a balance because you don't want to be too easy to find in contact or you can wind up answering questions that another group is better equipped to answer and it's a better investment of their time to answer like your product support team or first-tier triage or whatever it is but if you're relatively accessible then people can hit you up and say x is broken and i I'm convinced that it is, even though I can't prove it to you. Can you please just jump on a call and we'll take a look at it? And then you can speed those kinds of things up, but also have the conversation about if let's solve your problem now. Let's look at what is blocking you today. And then for the future, we can have a conversation about the best way to get support for this. And it may not be reaching out to the engineering team directly. But let's, let's table that until we figured out if that's really the case. And then if it is, I can move you off to a ticket queue or another path yep. to get to us or a product owner or a support team or whatever it is. But to be able to still have that interpersonal engagement one-on-one and then be able to move it off to a, a better place and a better process later.
1: Yep. And again, you just have to know that going into a startup or growth phase company, you're trying to figure a lot of that out. Um, they really are trying to figure a lot of that out and what I think I've noticed this twice now. So again, I haven't, it's not like I've been around 20 different companies, but both of these startup company and growth phase companies, what I've found is, um, yeah, sure. There's some old Wiley veterans that find their way into, um, those startup companies, but a lot of times it's the first gig for some of these guys. Like it's their first, um, maybe not the first company coming out of college, but it's, um, I just don't know if, it's, it's not always, I don't want to be delicate with this, but there's a lot of times where I feel like I suggest something that feels like common knowledge based on coming from a corporation that has these policies and processes in place that you come and present that to someone that's been working in a small company that's never seen anything besides a small company. So maybe it's not no experience, but maybe it's just experience with a small company that making some of those jumps to some of those processes that need to be put in place or those changes that need to be made, they're revolutionary. They're, they're, you know, they come stuck in nature to some people if they've come out of a large corporation or they've seen them before, um, but those suggestions on how to make changes is is really revolutionary. So sorry, that's a little bit of a twisty conver- uh, thought, but it's just if you're in a small company, you're trying to start company, you're trying to figure it out, and what I'm finding is a lot of times you're trying to figure it out on your own. Um, Unless you bring in people, which at some point you usually do, unless you bring in outside thoughts or outside resources, um, or people that come from been there done that kind of growth phase before, a lot of times you feel kind of lost, you don't know how to address the problems you're having. And that can be a reason why again, if you like stability, if you don't like chaos, if you like knowing what's in front of you day to day, you may lean towards a bigger corporate company or even a corporate that's bottom up because still they've solved more of those things before. Same thing that you said with, um, you know, they already have the app I want because somebody else out there already wanted it and they already had it for you. Some other team has already experienced the growth problem that your team is going through or the scalability problem that your team is going through. There's already a path to do that. If you're in a true, true startup, It's just—it's been surprising to me of how many things I took for granted. That it's just like this is a new concept. Like I took it as industry standard, but this is a new concept to this team, um, because they're trying to figure it out on their own. And that's just such a interesting thing I'm 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 working through.
0: It's a great segue into my positive about small companies. So if I can jump into that. Yeah. Okay. So you're totally right. It's—I think it is often when you find people who like small companies. It's often the first thing they've experienced for whatever reason, or it may be their first early job, or it may be the first job where they've had that level of ownership, where they get to make decisions about those things. And that's where I was coming from, where I worked at an insurance company, and I did some cool stuff, but I was also instructed on what to do quite a bit without any authority or input into the process or the strategy or the long-term vision. And then I got into a small company and i'm sure i looked very green because i just hadn't (laughs) been in a position to make those calls before i hadn't been exposed to having somebody talk to me about scrum versus kanban versus this at the insurance company that i first worked at it was all just top down just they just told us this is how we're going to run the team and so in a lot of ways it probably looked like i was experiencing those concepts for the first time because even if i had seen them before i hadn't gotten to decide about them before so it's probably a combination of both of people who are new to companies like that and then also new to having the authority to make some of those decisions and weigh in on those on those choices. But that's my pro is. At, you love uh, being able to have that impact. Absolutely. And it was such a an expansion of my expertise. It was such a microcosm of all of the scaling technical people problems that I have experienced today in my career I saw some variation on the vast majority of them at the smaller company that we worked at and that's not to to rag on that company they were just going through a lot of those scaling growing activities really in a very compressed amount of time so in just a few years i gained a lot of variety of experience and got exposure to a lot of different um, struggles and growing pains and different things that i would not have gotten at a larger company That would have hired somebody more experienced than me to help guide me through those processes i just had an opportunity to figure it out and do the best and get feedback and then iterate and grow and improve on on myself and the company through that situation
1: yep but now you're in a place where you have a little bit of support while you're doing that you still have the autonomy to some degree you still have the impact and 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 kind of say that you want to have but you still have the mentorships, the support, the, the leadership to help you work through those I don't have to figure this all out on my own kind of pieces. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's it's a terrific safety net. It was also a great experience to learn that I could operate without it in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. that at some point, you, I sort of had this moment where I realized I am a professional and I can make decisions, I can have input, I can set direction, and I can watch it have the effect that i want over years and not have to second guess the decision that i'm making in the moment or at least know that i'll be able to adjust as i go so that's kind of my my pro is even though don't get me wrong i much prefer the bottoms up large org that i'm at now or the those orgs that i'm at now but there is some value in being the person for something and getting to own it and dive in and know that your decisions are final and you're going to have to live with them but to know that that's also okay and you can You can do that, and you can make good decisions, and you can help set direction that way.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why I've really fell in love with this size company that I'm at now. And I'm going to take startup out of it. I don't think I'd be a good startup person. Maybe um, I would have to have a lot of um, honest conversations around um, some of the risks that we'd be taking earlier on that maybe I wouldn't even be comfortable with, even though I have a high risk tolerance of just surviving day to day, getting something going. Like that'd be a really hard phase to be in. But growth phase, the Hey, we got it. We have the idea. We're, we're we're doing something here. How do we make it go faster, better, cleaner? Have maintain culture like those kind of conversations and those kind of decisions are awesome. So I love coming into this engineering team on that I'm working on now, um, and as a product owner, just go. E- I, we we can do it this way, and dr- seeing stress come down. And seeing uh, like just just relief on engineers' face, and also seeing that my partnership team, my sales team, and my uh, cu- uh, my customer support team know that I'm hearing what they're saying, and I can go take that to my team, and I can impact what they're feeling. Like we get eighty mo- percent of our calls are this. If we could drop our call volume by five percent for this reason, I can do that. I-, I can go make that change over here. Like you know, I love this phase of where it's just. There's still new things to go discover there's still new things to go build your feature set isn't finished um it never is um but there's also fine-tuning tweaking that just makes direct and immediate impact whether it be revenue whether it be work-life balance whether it be a uh, culture or engineer satisfaction or um partnerships feeling like they're getting the, the voice that they wanted to have like all of that as the product owner kind of playing that micro ceo like i get to play it all. And so from a product perspective, I, I, yeah, I get to be the board and product is like, I get to be a micro CEO. Um, You know, it's, 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 it's one way people say it out there. I get to have so many different impacts on so many different places in the business and it has immediate impact um, and long-term impact. And I can see and measure that your comment about being a professional, I think is also interesting because again, learning's from the middle. That's why we named it this way. Like, I feel like that's kind of where i finally found myself at is like this job also is just like i'm coming in with something to bring to the table not just something to learn not just something to contribute not just to go do my part like i have knowledge that is helpful to others um i have things that i can do that can help the company um based on my experience based on what i've learned and taught to this point and i can share that like i, I love being in that situation um so I'm just got here. Like, again, I've only been at this role for four months. I plan on being here for a while. But if I think about what I'm looking for, again, um, I, I think that growth phase company is something that it will definitely pique my interest when I see it. Um, definitely, if I go to a bigger corporation, you know, there's plenty of buzzwords out there. There's the, oh, the, you know. PC, you know, like if you're talking about like PlayStation or Xbox, those of the world, the Microsoft, you got Facebook, you got Google, you got Amazon, or some of the ones that you're familiar with. And we have like, there's just so many out there that are bigger corporations that kind of have this bottom up mentality that I think would be a lot of fun to be at. So if I was going to go big, I would want to find that mentality, that bottom up um, leadership. Um but I'm enjoying growth phase a ton. Mm-hmm. I'm rambling a lot tonight, man. We should have been forewarned <laughs> on this.
0: <laughs> it's a rambly topic. And I it and is. that's a great note to close out on because I am one hundred percent stuck at big bottoms up corporation. I there is really? just something really, really nice about committing code and seeing it march through a pipeline that another team established pipeline. <laughs> yep. And um, being able to have just a little bit easier conversations around stability and trade-offs or, you know, the, the stability of your service and just having people be a little bit more used to what it means to have a highly available service that needs to be very, very stable and um, You know there's something nice about having a whole team that's focused on my productivity and making me more efficient and making our team have the right tools that we want so i i found that's a very nice blend of enough autonomy that we get to own our own product domain and our own product space we have a lot of influence over it but we also have the support and backing and benefits of being at a very large tech organization
1: it really does feel like the best of both worlds. It, 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 it really does. I think there's a piece of that that could be really appealing. And there's a reason why those kind of companies have longevity and they ha- and they keep their people. And if they don't, they're losing them to another company that works kind of like them. Like there, There's a reason why there's kind of that cycle of, of companies that you see people like you kind of go through because they, they, they found something. They found a way to give you enough impact on your day-to-day work to, for you to take pride and enjoyment in your work. Um, while giving you enough support that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were in a startup or or a growth stage company.
0: Yeah. It was a windy topic. It was a really windy topic. (laughs) It sure is. And I. Do you want to work
1: at one? Do you not? Is it pro? Is it con? Like big, small? (laughs) What do we mean when we say big? Like, I don't know. It was a good one.
0: It makes me even think back
1: on some of the, yeah, it makes me kind of think back on some of it. I'm like, I don't know. I think we could have a round two of this and then the opinions might be slightly different or slightly different articulated, but it was a good one.
0: I'll save my downsides for, my uh, for bottoms up big for the next round, then.
1: <laughs> all, right, it's, all right. It's we not for everybody.
0: To there are pros and cons next time. <laughs> all right. All all right this has been Learnings for the Middle. Thanks for listening.